0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. Though one rise from the dead. Moses and the prophets refers to the Old Testament scriptures. If they do not hear the Bible, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. From Jesus' words this morning, we learn that scripture is sufficient. That means it's enough. No other information or insights are needed to bring anyone to repentance and faith. Not even signs and wonders need to be added to the plain words of Scripture in order for God's Word to have its desired effect. If God grants something beyond Scripture, whether it be a miracle or unexpected answer to prayer or even just researched Archaeological evidence that supports the historical record of Scripture and aren't all these wonderful? Yet none of these are necessary, even if God in his kindness does permit such corroborating proofs to aid us. Scripture is enough. Scripture is sufficient. He who will not learn from the Bible will not be persuaded by anything. Scripture is sufficient to work saving faith because Scripture is itself efficacious and powerful. The central message of the Bible is the gospel. The gospel raises to spiritual life those who are spiritually dead. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Jesus charges his pastors through the Apostle Paul to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, convincing, rebuking, exhorting, with all long suffering and teaching. This means it is the pastor's job to teach the Bible. There is no topic that you will ever need to hear addressed by God that will not be addressed in good time if this command of Christ is taken seriously, and of course, if God blesses his ministers with the ability to teach. And this is what you need to be taught by God. You need things that are in your life to be addressed by the word of God. Above all, what you need to hear is the gospel. Above all, you need to hear the good news that your sins are forgiven and that God does not condemn you but accepts you for the sake of Christ, his son who shed his blood for you to take away all your sins and secure your peace with God and your inheritance in heaven. You need God to look at you and see Jesus to see you clothed in his righteousness that he gained for you by his obedient life and death in your place. You need the gospel. This is the gospel you need. The gospel saves you. You need for the gospel, however, to be applied to your daily life. In order for the gospel to be applied to your life, you need to learn from God's word. That's why the Bible was written for your learning. And it's why the benediction does not come immediately after the absolution. God has something to teach you. It isn't something in addition to the gospel. He teaches you all that he teaches you in order to drive the gospel, which is the very heart of Holy Scripture, and which reveals the very heart of our Holy God more deeply into your heart. St. Paul spoke to the pastors in Ephesus these words, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Pastors take heed to Christ's flock by teaching what the Bible teaches. You take heed to yourselves by learning what the Bible teaches, by spending time in Scripture, by faithfully attending church, by willingly attending Bible class, and by pursuing a biblical worldview in all that you undertake. The God who caused all Scripture to be written for your learning is the God who purchased you with his own blood. The Bible is not just a bunch of head knowledge for the super pious, for those who desire more than what is necessary to be saved, something more than just the plain and simple forgiveness of sins that the devil tells you to be content with, as though it were so simple as that. No, the Bible is for you, to make you wise unto salvation, and the wisdom it teaches is for you, Much of what the Bible teaches may well be beyond your ability to understand or appreciate. Don't be discouraged, but also don't blame God. If it humbles you, let it be humbling. For everything he teaches still serves this goal, that you may trust more firmly in Jesus, who loves you, who exalts the humble. Your lives are complicated, complicated and filled with difficulty and particular challenges that only you fully understand. That is, only you and God your Father. It's between you and God. So you pray and God hears you for Jesus' sake. But do not then suppose that whatever interesting conclusions you come to after praying are therefore conclusions that God has led you into. Your personal prayer life, where you talk and God agrees to listen, is no substitution for God talking and you listening. There are a lot of data inputs in your life. There's a lot of information coming at you, and it doesn't always convey the truth. Rarely does it. The devil hurts people by lying to them. Lies aren't always posed as statements that people can easily either accept or reject. Lies are often propagated by the subtle notions that seem to fill the air and that people tend to accept with little scrutiny and get offended if you even call them into question. Satan's lies engage the heart just as much as they engage the mind. You need to be guided by God your Savior. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. The spirit of truth guides us into all truth. Not some truth, all truth. The Christian art of applying the gospel to one's own conscience is an art which God the Holy Spirit teaches by means of instructing you in his word, by teaching you Christian doctrine. He teaches you to guard the gospel in your heart by teaching you to combat the devil's deceit wherever it is with the spirit with the sword of the spirit the written and inspired word of god the rich man in our text this morning thought he loved god he knew enough of the basics of christian doctrine to pass as a christian and to be sure that he loved god He even knew who Abraham was, but his heart was possessed by the idol of wealth. He paid more attention to the pleasure his money could afford than the needs of his brother. While he doubtless had affection for his blood brothers who shared his love for pleasure, yet he hated his brother Lazarus by not even noticing him. He thought he loved God. He didn't. He was a liar. His life was too filled with cares of this world to bother learning from Moses and the prophets how to refute lies in the world, let alone lies in his own heart. His heart believed a lie. He went to hell because he didn't believe the gospel. Lazarus went to heaven because he did. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The rich man did not love God's word. Lazarus did. So, you come here for Jesus. You come here to depart in peace like Lazarus did. Amen. And you shall. And woe to the preacher who fails to preach Christ, who gets so caught up in topics that he's interested in that he overlooks this most basic need of yours. You need your sins forgiven because you are a sinner. You need to recall your baptism and what it gives you daily because you are baptized. You need to receive the body and blood of Christ for assurance that this forgiveness is for you because it was given and shed for you. You need to know it in your daily life. You need to remember it and make decisions according to it every day as you address things that only you can address because it's your life and you've got to go at it alone. But God is with you. He is in his word. In order to teach you how to keep a good conscience and the constant awareness of your status as a child of God, in order for you to depart in peace and remain at peace with the forgiveness of your sins, ruling your heart and mind, you must be and remain a student of God's word. You must be at home in your father's house. Last Sunday, we heard John 3.16. The gospel in a nutshell, it's been called. What a beautiful verse. Beautiful in its simplicity and yet so profound. You learn to embrace and ever hold fast to the simplicity of John 3.16 by learning from Holy Scripture. But if you try to reduce all of Scripture to a spiritual pick-me-up that you determine for yourself when and where you need it or feel that you need it and under what conditions you will permit dear Christian you may be swindled. If you regard the doctrine of Holy Scripture as the pesky husk and shell that you need to put up with to get to the John 3.16 nut inside when you're hungry, then the devil may rob you. If you do not learn to learn from God by the comfort and patience of Holy Scripture, then you may find the nut, so to speak, harder and harder to find and not worth the trouble until the devil convinces you to despise preaching and his word and the Sabbath rest you once knew in Christ will be reduced to a cozy sentiment that no longer cheers you up and you will go to hell. God forbid. And he does. He forbids it by commanding you to abide in his word to remain a disciple of all he has to say to you. It is by teaching you the truth that he shortens the devil's leash and treats you like a true son or daughter. Ponder all God's truth can teach you. Let his words your footsteps guide. Satan's wiles shall never reach you. Though he draw the world aside. The devil draws the world aside. Today is Father's Day. The devil's lies regarding fatherhood and his lies about men and women in general and what they are and how they relate and what they're for, these lies are especially on display nowadays. Young men and women are taught to find their sexual identity in their confusing desires instead of in the fact that God with tender fatherly care and with earnest purpose made us male and female. And these desires aren't always just for carnal pleasure, but for acceptance and respect and a sense of self-ownership. People are hurting. They're lost in a maze of lies and confusion. What threatens the youth today In this gross display of particularly noxious obnoxiousness, right? It's ultimately the same as it always has been. God equips no one better than fathers to address the confusion of children, either by rebuking a child's sinful lust or by encouraging sons and daughters to be comfortable in their own bodies. This is so. Because God commands fathers to teach their children that they are owned and loved by God who bought them with a great price. When dealing with such confusion, therefore, it is beyond question that what these children need is to hear the law that convicts them and the gospel that forgives them. But more than just correcting and forgiving sin, lest this jewel Holy Scripture become nothing more than a platitude and a guilt trip. No more than this, children need to learn from God and be at home in his household. They need a good conscience in Christ. They also need a godly perspective on the world that tempts them. Whether they have fallen prey to this particular lie du jour or whether they are just going through typical naughtiness, teenage sullenness, or adolescent rebellion. The grace and mercy of God that they need comes to them not as a magic bullet, not as some program or something that you can insert into your children like into a robot. No. No, the grace and mercy of God they need comes as a whole package of instruction in God's Word. Man lives not by select words of God, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. It is a father's privilege to bring up a child in the way that he or she should go. It is a father's privilege also to speak plainly what God's word says about any matter, even to his grown children, if they will listen. And it seems like a daunting task, especially if you think it's too late. It seems like more than any man is able to do and And that those who seem to succeed, who raise golden children and faithful and respectable Christians, are just somehow charmed and inexplicably fortunate. But it is only so daunting a task if we imagine that something more spectacular is needed than the Word of God. Do you need a miracle? Do you need great signs and wonders? Do you need someone to rise from the dead? No. You need God's Word. You are not sufficient. But God's Word is sufficient. You and your children need to hear and learn God's Word together, and if not together, it must permeate your thoughts and inform every prayer you pray for those who have gone astray. More than fatherless children even need an earthly father. As good and beneficial as this is, more than orphans need an earthly home, or a single mother needs to find a husband. What your child needs is what we all need as children of our Heavenly Father. We need to hear God's word. No, Father Abraham, the rich man said, Well, that's no way to talk to your father. And besides that, he was wrong. He thought something beyond him was necessary to save his brothers. And we fathers may feel that something beyond us is necessary too. As we are overcome by our own insufficiency and failures. But we are wrong. It is not beyond us. It is in us. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Fathers fulfill their greatest duty and their greatest joy toward their their children, not by accomplishing great tasks that no man is capable of. No, but by trusting in the work of Christ. The same hope for us fathers is the hope for single mothers and orphans, Our fatherhood is not indispensable but it is useful. God's word we cannot go without. So we speak what we know and we seek what we need. We teach our children what they need by acknowledging our own need and by finding in the word of God all our need met. What we want for our children is more than success on earth. What we want them to know is Jesus and to trust in him. So the mark of a father whom God approves, whether his children are grown, whether he has failed them by any marker or not, the mark of a Christian father whom God approves is that he acknowledges his insufficiency, confess his sin, and receive forgiveness from God himself who encourages and instructs us in his holy word. We don't celebrate civic holidays in church. But Father's Day and Mother's Day are hard to resist because the Bible teaches us so much about these things. And so much of the happiness of earthly life depends on a proper understanding of these things. Oh, the devil is so cruel to take fatherhood away from the heart of this nation. But what is more is that what God teaches us about fatherhood on earth also teaches us how we can expect to be treated by God in heaven. The happiness of the life to come is at stake as well. We have heard our Lord Jesus say, In my Father's house there are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. The Father of our Lord Jesus is, as he teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, whom he has reconciled to us by his blood. But our Lord Jesus is our Father on earth. We don't normally think this way, but it's how the Bible talks. He who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. He is the express image of the Father. No one comes to the fatherhood of God apart from the fatherhood of Christ. And in our Father's home, he teaches us. Jesus tells us that he will not leave us orphans. He promises to come to us. Here on earth, while we are not yet in heaven, we live in Jesus' house. He is the head of his home where new life is given in holy baptism and all things that he commanded are taught to us. Lo, he is with us as he promised. He feeds us with his own body and blood. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he rules his household with his word and honors his children. We learn about earthly fatherhood from Jesus. We learn about heavenly fatherhood from Jesus. And he establishes his home wherever the gospel is preached. He governs his household wherever his word is taught. The task that I am accomplishing as we speak and opening up the counsel of God is a fatherly task. It is the task of our Lord Jesus. And this is why we call Abraham the father of faith. It is not he who begets our faith, he is not our Savior. Jesus is. Before Abraham was, I am. No, Abraham was just a simple Christian father. We don't call to him for mercy like the rich man. We believe in the mercy that captivated his heart and that he trusted in. Abraham was just a father. He was even less than a father. He had no kids. He had no evidence that God would keep his promise other than the word that God spoke. He knew from experience that God's word was enough. Even without a son, he believed that his seed would save him in all sinful nations, and his faith was counted as righteousness. He did not examine his quality as a father or boast in how well he raised his son. And so don't you, and don't you despair if you have failed. Abraham had no son to succeed or fail with, but he believed in God's son, and so do you. And this is what makes him our father of faith. God kept his promise to Abraham. Isaac was born, then Jacob and Judah, through David and Solomon, all the way down to the manger in Bethlehem. But in time, of course, Abraham died, and each successive patriarch and house father of Christ's earthly home also died. And the office of father was repeatedly assumed by the next in line. But all the patriarchs, all the fathers, were mere placeholders of Christ. Jesus... Inherited the rule of this earthly household that started with Abraham. And Jesus also died. But instead of giving it to the next in line, he rose from the dead. And he remains to this day the father of his home, the head of his church on earth, your savior, for which reason Isaiah said he would be called our everlasting father. And he remains our Father on earth until the end comes, and he delivers all things to our Father in heaven. Until then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, be at home in the house of your God, where the poor and needy brothers and sisters of Christ also gather to hear the gospel. Know that you are a mere placeholder for Jesus, dear fathers who is the true spiritual father of all who believe. Confess his word. Gather with your children to hear it. Talk of it when you sit down and on your way. Trust in his promise that depends on his worthiness and not your own. Believe the gospel that shows you a gracious God who loves you and covers all your sins. Here is your sufficiency and mine. Here is your children's life and happiness. Here is your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until eternal life. Amen.